Today, I just uh, I felt like the Lord was guiding me this direction this morning, and uh, I'm just so grateful. God is so good how he just confirms stuff to you. Um, the title of the message this morning is, Which Way Are You Heading? Which Way Are You Heading? I want to start with just a story of, of two guys named David and Saul. We're going to pick up the story here in, in chapter 26, but I want to go back a couple chapters before that. Um, Many of you know that David was being pursued by King Saul. He had this fit of jealousy and, and rage toward David. There was, and, and what sparked it off was a song. Can you believe that? There was a song that sparked it off, and the song went something like this. And I'm going to put my own little, I have no idea what it sounded like. I'm going to put my own twist to it, all right? It goes something like this. David, has, Saul has killed his thousands. David has tens of thousands. I, I feel a Congo beat kind of coming on, right? Um, so, um, and that's kind of how I, I view that. And all of a sudden, that, that song got Saul's ear, and he began to think about that. Well, wait a minute. That song says that David's killed tens of thousands, and I've only killed thousands. These people like David more than they like me. And in his pride and his insecurity, he went to go after David and to kill him. The first attempt, we, we see uh, this, this amazing story unfold. And in the 24th chapter of, of 1 Samuel, Saul goes into a cave to relieve himself. Um, for those of you that don't catch the drift of that, that means... He went to go to the bathroom. He was doing the deuce. All right? Um, you may say, well, Pastor Joe, how do you know that he was doing that? Well, let's stop and think about that for just a minute. David and his men have a conversation. Not only do they have a conversation, David has to sneak up behind him, cut off his robe, which if you've ever torn any kind of garment, you, you know that there's some noise to that. And he has to come... Then he becomes conscious stricken about the whole thing. And let me just tell you, all of that takes some time. If you get my drift. So before, I'm going to move on before this sermon goes into the crapper. But, um, <laughs> but, but you get my point here, right? And so David is guilt stricken. He can't believe he's done it. And so Saul leaves the cave and David comes out with a piece of his robe and says, listen, I'm sorry, Sunday night, Pastor Greg read a book, and it just came to my mind. If you were there Sunday night, um, he wrote a classic book. It's an it's American classic. I encourage you to write this book down. Everybody want to go get it and read it. It's called Everyone Poops. <laughs> Fits the story today, bless God. I'm sorry. Sorry. He's, he's, we're going to edit that out of the website and the video. So. Um, <laughs> He grabs a hold of the king's robe and he walks out of the cave and he says, and, and, and no, and the, the essence of what he says is he bows down before the king and says, why are you chasing after me? Why are you intent to kill me? I could have killed you today, but I chose not to. Even though all these jokesters back here were telling me to do it, all the men were telling me and encouraged me, this is your chance, this is your opportunity, this is a God-given moment for you to kill the king and, and go and live. And he says, but I couldn't do it. And Saul looks back at him and he says, David, you're a better man than me. And he leaves and he goes home. 
He has a moment of regret, and they part ways. It doesn't take him but two chapters to, to get the pursuit back on again. Because in chapter 26 of 1 Samuel, you'll, well, where we're going to pick up at the end of that today, you'll find that Saul is pursuing David again. And this time, David sneaks into Saul's camp while they're asleep at night, and he takes his spear and his water jug. And again, he's encouraged by the man that was with him. His name was Abishai. He's encouraged, God has given him into your hands today. Let me pause for just a moment. You got to be careful about which voice you listen to. Got to be careful about what voices you're listening to in your life. There may be people in your life that will be saying, look what God has done. God delivered him into your hands today. That's what Abishai told David. But David knew the scripture, and he knew that God would not contradict himself in scripture. And no matter what somebody tells you, they can bring God into it. They can bring all kinds of different things into it. If it goes against this word, it is not from God. That much I can tell you. So David understands that moment, and he takes the spear, and he takes the water jug, and he says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. He refuses. But I want you to think about that just for a minute. Think about the temptation that would have been. This man, this King Saul, has driven him from his home. He has made him into a fugitive. David is now hiding out in caves. He is looking for people to help them out, all because King Saul had this vindictive mandate of jealousy to kill him. And so once again, David calls out and wakes up Saul and tells him, listen, somebody missed the boat because I've got, where's your jug? Where's your spear? They were right beside your head. Where are they? He's holding him up in his hands. And Saul has this moment. I want us to read verse 21. It says this. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son. Because you, have, you considered my life precious today, I will not try to harm you again. Sur surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Keep an eye on that thought process for just a minute. Verse 25. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, David, my son, and you, do great, you will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way, and Saul returned home. Father, today, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would just help us, Lord, today. I believe, God, that you've got a message for us this morning. And so, God, I pray that you would help us right now to not only to hear that word, but to hide me behind the cross so that you can deliver it. I praise you, God. Let our hearts be open and our ears attentive to what the Spirit is saying to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to focus on the, the last part of the last verse we read. It says, David went his way. David went his way. Could you imagine that season of life and what that must have been like for David? It had to have been difficult, always on the run, always wondering 
who was coming up over the hill. Always in, in, in search of, of, man, can I trust this person? Can I not? That had to be a difficult season. But can I tell you, each one of us also go through difficult seasons as well. Some of us experience seasons of loss. Some of us experience seasons of illness. Some seasons of hurt and pain, of broken relationships, broken marriage. The point is this, that we all go through seasons, and maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you're in a season like that. It's very difficult. I believe God's got a word for you today. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're not in one of those type seasons of life. Let me give you a little encouragement today. This is like the feel-good part of the message, all right? You will be. At some point, at some time in your life, you will be. And so today I want us to glean from this text. What do we do? How do we handle that season of life? There's something about David here that I noticed, and, and it's really almost confusing to me a little bit, but it's found in the next chapter. And, and to be honest, I was reading this this week, and this was part of my devotional time this week, and I never looked at it the way that I, I found it this week. And so I feel like the Lord's got some revelation for us today. And I want us to read in chapter 27 now, in verses 1 through 4. Chapter 27, 1 through 4. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. David and his men settled in Gath with Achish. Each man had his family with him, and David had his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, the widow of Nabal. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. There's a couple things in the middle of a difficult season that, I, I want, that really struck me as, as weird in this passage. And you may be like, well, what struck you as weird? David goes to the very camp of his enemy. David goes to the land of his enemy. The first question, that, that gave a couple questions, and those questions will be my, my point in context today, is this, who did David consult about the matter? Who did David consult about the matter of where he should go? And you look at this, it says he discussed it with no one. The Bible says in, first, in the first verse of chapter 27 that he thought to himself. Can I ask you a question? Who do you consult in difficult seasons of life? I think it's one of the tricks of the enemy to get people to withdraw and to become inclusive. We like to dig a pit and to stay in it. Anybody here in the room hard-headed? Okay, you're supposed to raise your hands, not point your fingers. All right. Sometimes we get hard-headed. And usually when we get hard-headed, we are only thinking about ourselves. When we get hard-headed, we become emotionally withdrawn and we, everything's about us. And what I want trumps anything or anyone else or their opinion. 
After all, David looks at this idea and says, Saul is hunting me. He's not hunting you guys. And so he starts to think in in his mind. He begins to think, man, what do I need to do? And no longer did he care about anybody else or what anybody else thought. He says, I will reason. He thought to himself, I'm going to go to the land of the Philistine. Mm. Some of the toughest moments in my life, and even some of the toughest moments of my ministry, there was a temptation to dig a pit and to carpet that pit and to stay there a while. And what typically that leads to is, I found this to be true, and and this is spiritually speaking, okay? It's been my observation in my life, okay, that that whenever you shut the door on an opportunity, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like how I did that there, that was pretty. Um, It's been my opportunity in my life that whenever I dug a pit, it was usually in the enemy's thought process in my mind. It was never in God's mental capacity for me to get down there and to be wallow in self-pity and to think about what should I do about me. Usually that was always in a bad place. But can I tell you, while you in those moments want to get as comfy as possible, God wants you to get out of that pit and he can set you free. So that's what David does. He's tired of running, and he probably thought, man, I've heard this story from Saul before, right? He said that he's going to leave me alone, and then two chapters later, man, he's back, and man, I've heard this before, and so I need to take matters into my own hands. So what does he do? He runs to his enemy. Did you check out the city that that David, I'm sorry, that David ran to? Gath. Anybody know who came from Gath? Yeah, Goliath. Goliath came from Gath. Now, I want you to stop and think about it just, just for a minute. I'm from Terre Haute, Indiana, right? And, and so in Terre Haute, Indiana, we used to be known as Sin City. Terre Haute used to be known as Sin City. Most of you probably don't know that because prostitution and alcoholism was so rampant. Back in the early part of the, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we were known as Sin City. There came a man who changed that thought process all around in the national viewpoint, and he was a basketball player of all things. His name was Larry Bird. Anybody ever heard the name Larry Bird before? (laughs) I get amens for Larry Bird. I get nothing for me. All right. (laughs) Praise God. So Larry Bird comes to town from a little town of French Lick, Indiana, and what's he do? He just plays basketball. He's not some savior. He's not somebody changing the culture of the city, but he gives the national viewpoint of Terre Haute as being something different than what it was previously stereocast as. And so what do we do? He's a hero, right? So we got a statue of Larry Bird in Terre Haute, Indiana, like this. Right? Larry Bird's probably got a key to the city. You know how they do that, right? Some hero get the key to the city. I'm sure Goliath had that same kind of recognition and thought process. After all, he was their champion. He was the champion from the city of Gath. 
Everybody knew Goliath, man. He was their dude. He might have even had a statue. Who knows? He might have had a key to the city. But I'll guarantee you one thing that he did have was a reputation, and everybody in that town would have known who David was because he took down their champion. And I can hear the stories happening on the street corner, can't you? You remember way back when? Remember that Goliath dude way back when? See that guy right over there? That guy, that he's living in Ziklag right now, but he's right in our area. You know that, right? He's right on, he's in the suburbs. That's the guy that took down Goliath. I'm sure David was not public hero number one. So he would rather live in a place where it was the enemy's camp. He would, really, uh, he would rather live there than live in Israel? Really? Can I tell you, the enemy of your soul would love to get you to come to the places where he can control your life. He can control your situations. To get you to flee to a difficult time and to flee to his camp. There he can remind you of things like the good old days. And he can rub it in your face about how much of a failure you are now. There he can try to make the pain of your life greater. Many people why they wonder why they can't hear the voice of God anymore. I think it's oftentimes because we have gone running into the enemy's camp. And it's not that the Holy Spirit's not trying to call out to us. It's not that the Holy Spirit's not shouting to us and say, turn around. Don't you know you're in the enemy's camp? Don't you know that he's trying to destroy you? It's not that we don't hear it, it's just that we aren't listening. And that voice is becoming more distant and distant and distant. Why? Because you keep going farther and farther and farther into the enemy's land. And we settle. We don't go to the enemy's camp anymore to, to take back what he stole from us, as the song says. We go there to settle there. And then in those distractions that hinder our ability to, to listen and to hear the Holy Spirit in our life, and when he's shouting at you, you don't respond. He's telling you to get out quick. Destruction's coming, but we tune it out. You see, Satan wants nothing more than for you to settle down in his territory, to quit moving forward in your walk with the Lord to wallow in your guilt and your shame and your pain, to stew about your circumstances and reminisce about how you got there in the first place. How did David get there? Well, you might say that Saul drove him there, but I don't know that that's completely accurate. I believe that it says that he thought to himself. David came up with this idea all on his own. Don't we get in trouble sometimes when we start thinking to ourselves? And the first thing we should have done was consult God. I think it's our pride that keeps us from doing that. I'm not going to say that it's easy, but sometimes we, what we, we do is we do this, God, I got this. I got this. Or maybe in David's situation, he's like, God, I tried this. And I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of running. So here's what I'm going to do, God, whether you like it or not. I'm going to ask for a show of hands on who's done that. 
And we would probably, in this room, you would probably never say that. You would never have those words probably ever come out of your mouth, but in our actions, we do just that thing. Mm. The second thing I, I ask is, does he consult God? Did, did he consult the Lord? Who, who does David consult about the matter? The second thing is, what about the other people with him? Those are the observations. What about these other people with him? It doesn't say that he consulted them either. He just took them along for the ride. And when things are going south on them, they're ready to stone him. If you fast forward to chapter 29, you'll find out that David was about to go to battle against his own people on the sides of the Philistines. See, the devil will get you all cattywampus thinking. He'll, he'll get you all turned around. And all of a sudden, the people that love you are the ones you lash out against the most. And the people that care about you, that want, want to see you come to know Christ in a greater capacity because they see that you're living in the enemy's camp, those are the people you lash out against. And you say, no. David was going to fight the Israelites, but the people of, of uh, the Philistine leaders, they, they got with the king and says, no, 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 no. They've sang songs about this dude. He's killed Goliath. The last thing we want is for him to change his mind and have a change of heart. And all of a sudden, we're surrounded, and we're just right in the middle of everything, and it gets ugly. you got to send him home. So the king of the Philistines sends David home. When you get to chapter 30, you find that when he gets home, they had been raided. Their village where they were staying had been raided, and they had taken away everybody. The Amalekites came and they destroyed their town and they took away the women and the children. They took them all. The guys were so distraught. They were so upset and they were so angry. And, and they, they just, it was bad. And David's got to be saying, man, it's bad enough that I'm fleeing Saul, but I have to deal with this too. And they were so upset that they wanted to stone him. Can I tell you, this is what typically happens when you start down the path towards settling in the enemy's camp. Things usually go from bad to worse. And the farther and longer you live away from God and his people, the farther you travel down that pain of hurt, that, that path of hurt and pain and sin. But I want to give you the good news of this. Because some of you are in that moment right now, today. You've gone through a difficult season of life. You're in the middle of a terrible situation, but what you've done is you've decided that instead of going to God and instead of asking God to come and help you because he's an ever-present help in time of trouble, the Bible says, he, he'll be the one that surrounds you. And instead of doing that, you've kind of taken the own hold of things and you've gone and you've settled in the enemy's camp. Oh, you may not have gone all the way in the border, but I'm telling you one thing. What's happening is every day that you don't come back to God, you're inching your way farther and farther away. And you sit here and, and you're thinking, how did I ever get here? Where did this happen? What is going on in my life? And you wonder and you wonder, God, what have I done? Or worse yet, you haven't come to your senses yet. See, that was the good thing about David. That's the good conclusion to this thought here, is that at the end of chapter 30, David comes to his senses and he inquires of the Lord. 
The Bible says that he inquires of the Lord. He consults again with God. I kind of get that thought process of, of the story of, of Jesus and, and the prodigal son, telling the story of the prodigal son. He has this prodigal son moment, if you will. He comes to his senses moment. And he comes to God and he pursues the Amalekites and destroys them. He returns to the Lord. And you know what happens after he prays that prayer? And he comes back to the Lord. It's just a matter of days that all of a sudden Saul is killed and David becomes the king of Israel. He fulfills the purpose that God had placed on his heart many years ago before. You know what that tells me? That tells me that, yeah, you may be settling right now, but if you hear the voice of God and you'll go chasing after him, he can bring and he can restore your life. He can bring you from the places where you think that you have no hope, and he can bring you back to your future. He can bring you back to the place where you are dependent upon him, and he has a path, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But we forget, we like to cut it off at verse 12. And forget verse 13 of Jeremiah 29. Verse 29 is the key to the whole deal of knowing the plans that God has for us. Verse 13 says this, You will find me when you seek after me with all your heart. You'll never know God's plans. You'll never know God's purposes unless you're seeking after him. And you don't seek after him in the enemy's territory. You don't. Today, I want to let you know this as before we go to prayer. God can turn your mourning into dancing. He can turn your pain into triumph. He can turn your sorrow into joy. He can take your life and he can turn it back around. But the one thing that I know about God, and this word echoes this over and over and over again, is that he is a gentleman. And he is not going to run and snatch you out. You're going to have to make it turn your face toward him. You've got to turn yourself toward him. Because God gave us this thing called free will. So it's your choice. Are you going to keep going further and further? I never, as I read that before, I never got to that thought process. David on his own went to the enemy's territory. And I wonder how many times we do the same exact thing. We don't consult God. We don't even add God into the equation. We just do what we want to do. But I'm telling you, God, can, if you'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling out to you today, come home, turn around, come back. I'm telling you, God will redeem the time. You're in a difficult season right now. You're at the, at the place, I don't know what to do. Inquire of the Lord today. Don't go seeking after things on your own. Don't go trying to do things by yourself. Get into God's word. Pray. Seek his face. Say, God, I, I just want to do what you want me to do. Seek him with all your heart. Because I believe you'll find him. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, today, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, today. I thank you, Lord, that you're patient with us. And Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful that you keep calling out to us. So Lord, if there are those here today that are living in the enemy's territory, I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now that you're calling out to them. 
You're yelling, you're screaming their name. Come home. Turn around. Don't you know I love you? Don't you know I care? In the midst of this difficult time of their life, they're finding themselves inching farther and farther away. But God, today I pray, bring them home. Bring them home today. In Jesus' name. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor Joe, I feel like I've been living in the enemy's camp. I feel like I've been living in the enemy's territory. And today I want to make a decision. I want to make a decision. Maybe you've, you're here today and there's sin in your life and you've not, and you've not dealt with that sin. And you've, you've gone pretty far into the enemy's territory. But today you want to say, God, I, I want to come, turn my life around to you. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand? We want to pray with you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, you're here and you're finding yourself, man, I feel like I'm in the enemies. I'm on the edge of the enemy's territory. I'm on the edge of what? would be, oh, I haven't consulted God about this, and I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling pain, I'm feeling all this in my life, and I need to make a decision for Christ. I need to, I, I need to hear the voice of God calling me, come on home, turn around. How do you know if you're there? I'm telling you what, you know you're there. Because everywhere you turn, your plans fail. Everywhere you turn, you're finding a heartache. Everywhere you turn, it's, it's, it seems like it's, it's just beating your head against the wall, so to speak. You're wondering, how did I ever get here? How did I ever get here? Because you made the decision to go to the territory. And today you say, Pastor, I want to get out of the territory. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to come back to the promised land. If that's you today, and you say, Pastor, would you remember me in this prayer today as we close? Would you slip up your hand today? Feel like I'm there. I need some help today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, today I thank you, Lord. I thank you for words from your Holy Spirit that that speak to us. Thank you from your word of God that touches our heart today. God, we may be here and, and maybe everything's great and we find ourselves right where, we want, where you want us to be. And that's great, God. I pray we stay there. But God, every one of us in this room is going to have the opportunity at some point or another to be tempted to go to the enemy's territory. God, I pray that the words of this passage, that the words of, of this scripture text will ring throughout our ear. It says, God, I don't want to go to the enemy's camp. I want to stay with you. God, help us to look to you in difficult seasons of life. Help us to look to you toward difficulties and, and trials and tribulations that we face. God, there may be those today that didn't respond to the altar call, but God, you're dealing with their heart. I pray that you continue to do that today. Holy Spirit, I pray, continue to to yell, continue to draw. 
God, I pray that that voice would get even louder and that they would even feel more miserable. And God, that there would be just a drawing of the Spirit of the Lord right now toward their heart. Because God, we can't, we can't be satisfied with seeing people living in the enemy's camp and in the enemy's territory. We've got to be doing our best to, to reach them. And God, let the warning of the Word of God today be echoing through our heart and our mind. I pray. Help us, God, to always seek after you and live for you. We praise you, God, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad you came today. So glad you came. And uh, I encourage you. You may be here today, and, and maybe you're, everything's great, and, and, but maybe something's difficult. Maybe you're going through a hard time. You know, there are people around you that want to pray. There are people, there are friends, there are a body of Christ here that want to intercede and pray with you. That's what we're about, right? That's what the church is about. Seek somebody out. Seek a brother, seek a sister out in the Lord. Have them put their arm around you and say, come on, let's pray. I'll go with you together. I'm going to keep you together. We're not going to the enemy's territory. We're going to do this together. Find somebody to help you with that. Every one of us will be in that position where you'll be tempted to do that. So I challenge you, resist the devil. But the, the first part of that scripture, you got to do that first. Submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Amen. Father, thanks, Lord, for a great day. As we leave this place today, help us to reach people and to touch the lives of not only those in our church family, but in our community. We give you praise and glory. Now bless our food, our time of fellowship together. God, bless the Underwood family. God, I ask, God, in the name of Jesus, as Joyce is on this transplant list, I pray in the name of the Lord that that would happen quickly. I pray, God, that you would move this process along. God, that you would bring health to her. If you choose to use doctors, we submit to that, God, and we ask that you would make that happen. But God, I also know that you have the power to just speak the word and Joyce would be healed. You can speak the word and she'd get a new lung today. You can speak the word, oh God, and the power of God could just flow in her life this morning. Hallelujah. And so God, we pray over this family and we pray over her today. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would watch over Joyce, that you would heal her. And as we fellowship together to celebrate and to work together toward God, just this helping and coming alongside this family. I pray bless our time of fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen.